0: So tonight, we're going to be continuing through our Do Not Disturb sermon series, and Coach kicked us off really strong last week with the Tower of Terror and how we can use good things from the Lord with bad intentions. And tonight, we're going to continue through that, and we're going to talk about these things that we all have in our life, and they're called distractions. I say the word distractions. Some of y'all are like, oh my goodness, I don't have any Distractions. You kind of tense up a little bit, like, what's distracting me in my life? And uh, that's a good thing. I want us tonight to be able to walk through and identify what are distractions in our life that are taking our eyes and our focus off of Jesus. So at the top of your, your notes, if you're taking notes, I, man, Daniel says it all the time, man, love when you're taking notes. The title tonight is going to be Dangerously Distracted. Dangerously Distracted. And uh, tonight we're going to be in the passage of Matthew 14. And we're going to walk through verses 22 through 33. And we're going to see, as I studied this passage, I saw two really cool things, two really good things that happen when we focus on Jesus. But also in the middle of the passage, we'll see something happen when we take our eyes off of Jesus. We'll, we'll see what happens when we're not focused on Jesus. And that would be our, our bad thing, of course. And so as I was studying, as I was preparing, I was thinking through, what, what is a distraction? You know, we hear it all the time. And through, as, a, as I was coming with the definition of uh, Google, uh, you know, good old Google, we use that for eCourseWare, amen? A distraction is defined as a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. It's a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. But I was like, there's more to a distraction than that. So I found another de- definition and you talk about distraction, this, almost, this honestly describes the devil and how he distracts us. This is the second definition. I promise I'm not going to give you definitions all night, but these are good. Um, a distraction is the process of diverting the attention of an individual or group from a desired area of focus and thereby blocking or diminishing the reception of desired information. So I, I could change that definition around a little bit and insert the devil. This, this, if I read it this way right here, the devil diverts our attention from a desired area of focus and thereby blocking or diminishing the reception of desired information. Many of us, if not all of us in here, I pray this is my prayer for us. We desire this right here. We desire god's word we desire to know jesus we desire to live and follow and walk like jesus did but so many times we have distractions in our life that takes our eyes off of jesus you know i love what coach talked about last week man we'll we'll be reading our bible we'll be trying to do our quiet time we got our phone sitting right next to us and that that illustration again oh one second god got an instagram notification oh somebody texted me oh somebody's calling me what's up man how are y'all i'm not doing anything important that's how we treat our time with the lord and um Man, college students, wouldn't you say the devil loves to distract us? He and that's what I talked about at the beginning. For some of you who probably had thoughts of fear and anxiety and hesitations to be here, the devil would love to distract you from getting here because we're going to talk about Jesus at The View. We're going to that's what we're built on here at The Viewers. We're built on Jesus, not built on Daniel, not built on myself, Jacob or Jasmine or any of you, but we're we're built solely upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Um, And the devil will try anything and do anything to take our focus um, off of Jesus or away from Jesus. We saw that in the beginning with with, in the garden. He distracted Eve from what God told her not to do, from what Adam, he distracted Adam from what uh, God told him not to do. And we see sins introduced into our world. But also, again, I'm so excited to talk about this. We see what happens. It'll be my last point of the night. We see what happens when we're fully focused on Jesus. And um, I did a sermon in the sentence for the first time. I'm super excited about this. Uh, Daniel does that from time to time. And if I could sum up my, uh, the, the message tonight in one sentence, it would be this right here. If we allow things to distract us from God, those same things will cause us to doubt God. If we allow things to distract us from God, those same things will cause us to doubt God, and I bet many of you are probably thinking, and I, and I want you to think, this is why I gave the definition of distractions, and the Lord laid this on my heart for my sermon in a sentence, thinking about what are those distractions in my life, and how are they leading me to doubt God, because God calls all of us to something specific, but so many times our eyes aren't on, on him, it's on the distraction, and it keeps us from what God's called us to. I know that hits my, I know that hits me. I remember, I remember when I, I got offered, offered I tried to put opportunity and offered in one word. I remember when I got offered the opportunity to come on staff here, I remember I was distracted by fear. I told coach, no. And if I would have continued in that fear, I would have stayed away from what God has called me to. Many And God has called each of you to something specific. Don't let distractions keep you from what God's calling you to. And in Matthew 14, we're going to start in verse 22. I'm very excited about this. And this part of the passage follows right after Jesus has fed the 5,000. So we're picking up right after he's done a huge miracle and we're going into actually another miracle. But before we read our passage, I would love to just go before the Lord and pray. I love love what Haley prayed over, praying against distractions tonight and things like that. And I kind of just want to echo those prayers. And i pray again. So before we read our passage, I'd love to pray over you and pray over tonight and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, you are good, Lord and God, you are alive. Lord, we serve a living God. We serve a breathing God, Lord. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, and what he did for us on the cross. And that it just didn't stop at the death, God, but it continued with the resurrection, Lord. And so God, I pray over this room right now, God, I pray against any spiritual warfare. I pray over each college student's mind and heart right now that would be protected by you, Lord, and that phones would be silenced, God, phones would be turned off, Lord. We're not worried about notifications right now, but God, we're, we wanna hear from you tonight, God. Lord, would you speak to each of our hearts tonight? God, would you save college students tonight, Lord? God, help us to fall madly in love with you and madly out of love with the world. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to start. We're going to walk through this passage verse by verse. And I've broken, I've broken it up, and I'm going to start reading in verse 22. And now I'm going to stop in verse 23, and we're going to talk about this a little bit. The, God's word says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray well into the night. He was there alone. And one of the first things we see in this passage that I love is number one, Jesus got alone with God, the father. Number one, Jesus got alone with God, the father That's so good, so important. So like I said, this is following after Jesus has just fed the 5,000 and he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side because Jesus, he was dismissing the crowds. And the other gospels talk about uh, this passage as well, talk about Jesus walking on water. And Mark 6.45 tells us that the disciples were going across the sea to Bethsaida. Mark 6.45 reads, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. Jesus sent the crowd away and the disciples ahead of him so he could spend time alone in prayer. That is so important because we see Jesus following a miracle. He just fed the 5000. Many of us know that passage, know that story. He fed the 5000 and immediately he prioritized, sent the disciples away. He sent the crowds away so he could go get poured back into by God the Father. Jesus prioritized alone time with God the Father. But not only that, He wanted the crowd to disperse so he would avoid a messianic uproar. Messianic uproar, what are you talking about? Um, We see in John 16, excuse me, John 6. John 6 shows how the people responded to Jesus feeding the 5,000. It says this right here. Therefore, when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force, To make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So in John, it tells us after Jesus fed the 5,000, they were about to come get him. Like, Jesus, you're our king. We're about to make you our king if you can do that stuff. But Jesus said, no, no, no. So he withdrew again to be by himself, to be with the Lord. And the Greek text emphasizes solitariness by the use of the phrase, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Um, Emphasizes that right there. And what's so cool about Jesus is, and this is important for us too, a very consistent thing about him is that we see him get alone with God the Father. It didn't matter what he was about to do. It didn't matter what he was going to do or what he just got done doing. We see Jesus prioritize alone time with God the Father. I'm going to say that so many times you're going to be like, all right, get alone with God the Father. That's good. I want, y'all, I want y'all to walk away with that. Get alone with God the Father. And we see it in multiple times in Mark. Mark 1.35 says this right here. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his disciples um, way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. We pick up in Mark 14, verses 32 through 35. Then they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little further, fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And I just want to let that sink in. We see in Mark 14, verses 32 through 35, Jesus has the cross ahead of him. Jesus has the the most excruciating death ahead of him. And still leading up to that, leading up to that point in his life, he said, stay right here. Stay awake. I'm going to pray. He had death ahead of him, and he still prioritized time with God the Father. So the question I have for us is how much more important is it for us to be alone with God? Because the one who died for the sins of the world still prioritized time alone with God. I'm going to say that all night. prioritize time alone with God. And after, um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm looking at the wrong sheet. That's why. If that doesn't make you want to be in the Word, then I don't know what will. If after reading Mark 14, 32 through 35, you see him getting alone and praying to God the Father right before his crucifixion. If that doesn't make you want to get into the Word and spend time with the Lord, then I don't know what will because Jesus loves you. Jesus prayed for you. We see that in the high priestly prayer in John 17. He prayed for you before his crucifixion. And college students, the question I have to ask for each one of us, I'd love for you to write this down. Is How consistent are we with being alone with God? How consistent are we with being alone with God? Because like I said, like I shared in the beginning with a little bit of my testimony, the view, God used the view to change my life. The view is great. We want we want you here. We want you at Life Groups on Wednesday nights, but that is not being alone with God. And as as I was preparing, as I was studying, I was thinking about this. You see, Jesus is very aware of what God is leading him to do and telling him to do. It's because if we want awareness of God, we have to get alone with God. If we want awareness of God, we have to get alone with God. Awareness comes from being with God. If you want to know what God's doing in your life, if you want to hear from God, get alone with him. Read his word. Let him speak into your life. Because, how do you expect to hear from God if you're not reading His Word? We believe this is His Word. We believe this is all written by God. And you can't hear from Him if you've got a closed Bible. You can't hear from God if you have a closed Bible. For a lot of us, we get that backwards. We have more awareness of our notifications than we do our Creator. We go to our quiet time with our phone right next to our Bible. We can't do that. That's not being alone with God. When I say be alone with God, I mean, I, I've started to do this. I, I live in an apartment with some guys, and I, I typically read my Bible at the kitchen table. I leave my phone in my room because I know if my phone's right there, if I get a text message, my, it's just it's like I heard Coach say this earlier. It's like a fly attracted to light. My eyes, when the light, the light lights up, I go, boom, who just, call, who just texted me? Who just, who, just de- who just commented on my photo? Who just liked my photo? Who just, you know, I have a group chat on Instagram with a lot of my buddies, and they send, those, they send reels all the time, and they're pretty they're pretty funny, honestly. But that's distracting me from God's word. That's the point. It's distracting me from God's word. And I even thought about this. We'll even go to the point of deleting a picture because it didn't get enough likes. We'll get to the point, if it doesn't have enough comments, if it doesn't blow up, we'll delete it because we're more worried about that than our alone time with God. We have more focus on our social medias, on our text messages and all these different things. than we do our alone time with God and we're missing it. We, we will miss God if we're caught up in our in our phones. I love, Coach said it last week we see so many people's top of their heads these days. It's because we're always looking at our phone when we're looking at our phone. We miss people. When we're walking around campus with our AirPods in, I'm I'm guilty of it. Sometimes I walk around with AirPods on campus. I do. I I like listening to music. I'm not saying music is bad, but when we're so consumed with our phones and with our social medias and with our music and things like that, we miss people around us. Because I'm telling you, your time at your college, at University of Memphis, at CBU, at Southwest, at Rhodes, LeMoyne-Owen, wherever you go to school, you only have four years. Some of us five. I'm a fifth-year senior. I took took 12 credit hours. I was a little slow. I found out that wasn't uh, fast enough. Um, I'm taking 15 now, praise (laughs) the Lord. Um, We miss people around us if our our eyes are looking down. Don't miss the people that God has put around you. Because God, and Brother Steve says this all the time when it comes to sharing the gospel. This this isn't even my notes. I know this is from the Lord. We did campus ministry today at the University of Memphis. We don't lack opportunity to share the gospel. We lack obedience to share the gospel. We don't lack opportunity. We lack obedience. God gives us so many opportunities at your workplace, in your classroom, with your family. Brother Steve describes it another way. This way, when we get up to heaven and things like that, and God, like, rolls the tape back of our life, and we just see the opportunities we missed. And they're just going to go after one after another, one after another. I don't want to be like that. I want to be obedient. I want to share Jesus because how selfish. I tell, when I share the gospel, I tell people this. It would be selfish of me to keep this gift that God has for you. The greatest gift of all time is Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. If we truly believe that, wouldn't we share it a lot more? If we truly believe that it was a gift that we're supposed to give to other people, wouldn't we share Jesus a little bit more? Be a crazy Christian. We'll talk about that more. Be a, be a crazy Christian, though, because you're confident in Christ, what he did for you. And so many times, you know, you you think about this, you fall into a lot of people are struggling with sin and things like that. I can't get over this sin. I can't get over this sin. I can't defeat this sin. But we get alone more with our phones. We're alone more with our phones than we are with our Bibles and our prayer times. We're alone with our phones more than we are our Bibles and our prayer times. That's why, again, it is so important when you are sitting at the feet of Jesus, get rid of your phone, get rid of your Apple Watch. Get alone by yourself, and I bet, I bet you will hear from God. And you don't have to get a special revelation every time, but it's just being in the presence of God. That's what, that's what, you, that's what you need. That's what, I'm, that's what I seek every time I open the Bible. I don't, you know, sometimes I do learn something huge, like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that before because God's word is that deep. You're going to learn something new each and every time you read it because there's that much depth to God's word. But just look at it as you're in the almighty presence of God. I love how Jacob has been describing it to our team as you're approaching the throne. You're approaching the throne and Jesus is right there sitting on the throne. Or does social media have the throne of your heart? Do your notifications have the throne of your heart? Do your friends have the throne of your heart? Let Jesus occupy the throne of your heart. And college students, if we're being honest, we have this disease called FOMO. Fear of missing out. That's why we're so connected on Instagram. Uh, In one of my classes, I had to make a LinkedIn. I didn't even know what LinkedIn was, but I get notifications from it all the time now. We're so connected with our phones, our social medias, and things like that because we're scared of missing out on things with other people. Why don't we flip that mentality? What if we got scared of missing things from God? What if we were fearful of missing things that God had for us? I bet we'd read our Bibles differently. I bet we'd pray a little bit differently. And like I said, I'm not here to preach. I'm I'm, I'm with you, I'm in this. It is hard to sit at the feet of Jesus because we have so many distractions in our life. And we see after Jesus fed the 5,000, he immediately went to be alone. And I love the word, we see the word immediately, constantly through this passage. And we'll talk about that a little more later on. We see Jesus disconnect from the world so he could be connected to the Father. How often do we get that backwards? We have our Bibles closed, but our phones unlocked. What well, if we flip that, lock your phone, turn it off and open your Bible and just sit. Be still and know that he is God. Be still. That's, that's been my word for 2021 is be still. I just want to be still before the Lord. Because I know college is hard. I know it takes time. It takes your attention. But man, it cannot take all of your attention. And you can't let this slip. You can't let your alone time with God slip you'll be you'll be starving yourself you will be hungry if you let that happen it is very clear that Jesus isn't distracted but he is focused he didn't go to the disciples but we see him send them away he didn't go to anything of this world but he went straight to God the father I can't say that enough Jesus wasn't in a rush or on a time constraint because we see he was on the mountain well into the night that's what the Bible says And the question I ask myself is, what if I really learned how to be alone with God? So many times I find myself rushing through my time with the Lord, and then I'm on to the next thing of my day. I read, all right, God, I read, I'm done. And in life groups on Sunday mornings, Rick Jones and Ben Taylor, they've been walking us through biblical hermeneutics and things like that. And I love what Ben Taylor says. He says, it's good to read God's word. We We need to read God's word. But the next step for us college students is we have to study God's word. We have to study God's word. I love one of my favorite verses is 1 Peter 2. It says, "May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The more you know Jesus, the more you know his attributes and the more you get to live like him. The more you know Jesus, the more you know his attributes, the more you get to live like him. Living, there, there's nothing in this world that is better than living like Jesus. I learned that the hard way. I lived in sin all of high school. I lived in sin my first semester of college. And it wasn't until my second semester of college that God grabbed a hold of me. He placed me in godly community. I, I, turn, I repented of my sins. I turned my back on sin. I turned my face towards God. And I fell madly in love with Jesus. And that's the only reason I get to do what I get to do now. is because I love Jesus and he loves me. Turn your back on distractions. Look to God. Look to God. For most of us, if not not all of us, we feel the most distant from God when we are just as distracted from God. If we really valued God's word like we say we do, wouldn't we spend more time with him? If we really valued God's word like we say we do, wouldn't we spend more time with him? And this makes me think we put time into the people or the things we value, don't we? You know, Daniel always makes fun of my shoulders and stuff like that. I value time in the gym, so I go to the gym. And for many of us, because, I listen, we have work, we have school, we have family, we have friends, we have social life and all this stuff. But we'll go to the, if it's important enough to us, we'll go to the extreme to make time for it. And um, as Coach introduced me and things like that, he talked about our relationship a little bit. Um, Again, we met each other when I was 13. He was 18. Neither of us knew the Lord. And now 27, I'm 22, and we're both madly in love with Jesus, praise God. Um, Over this almost 10 years of friendship, we picked up a lot of hobbies. Who's got a hobby out there? Please raise your hand. I know y'all got a hobby. Yeah, I know y'all got a hobby. Um, Back in high school, I remember my 11th grade year of high school, we watched through the the whole – TV series, Lost. Anybody watch Lost? Small plug. Great TV show. Yes, sir. It makes some noise for Lost. It is so fun. I even remember it to the point, uh, Coach and I, we grabbed a 12-pack of Diet Dr. Pepper, Little Caesars Pizza, went to Southwest Community College, didn't know how he did it, but he went to the, com- the teacher's computer, logged in, and we watched Lost on the big screen. Thought it was the coolest thing ever. Two years later, I was at Southwest. I figured out he was just logging. <laughs> go figure. But hey, as a high, as a high schooler, that's as a cool as watch, I'm watching Lost. And we just snuck into a community college. <laughs> like, what? That is so cool. Um, we watched Lost together. Uh, we used to go to Zaxby's together. We had a buddy that worked there. would give us free drinks. Tell on a busboy schedule, you balling on a budget, man. But I mean, if I could get a free drink, praise God, we'd go to Zaxby's. He, he would pick me up from football practice. I'd do my homework at Zaxby's. He would help me do my homework and things like that. And of course, you know, our relationship started. He would train me in basketball. Um, so it'd go from football to basketball to homework to Zaxby's. Sneaking in the Southwest every once in a while. Um, but a hobby we picked up recently is uh, I'm proud of it too. Me and Coach, we, we hold tight to this one is uh, we started playing badminton. Anybody know what badminton is? Yeah, okay, making some noise for Batman. Yes, yes, <laughs> praise God, yeah. Let me tell you something. Two, two grown men playing Batman is probably one of the goofiest things you'll ever see, honestly. Uh, Hannah Post saw us uh, literally this past weekend, me and Coach were playing, and it was probably like a father and son playing Batman, but hey, we had the time of our life. And uh, Coach will appreciate this. He did beat me. He's up on me two to one right now, um, but I'm coming back for him. So I'll, gi- I'll give you your props, Coach. Um, and Batman, the way I describe it, if you don't know what it is, it's like a huge game of ping pong. It's a smaller game of tennis. So you got this net, you got these rackets, and you got this thing called a birdie. And uh, you're just trying to hit it back and forth, back and forth. And you're trying to score on the other person. You know, if they don't return it, that's a point for you. And uh, in this moment, it was cool because to be good at badminton, you really have to focus. I can't tell you the amount of times I swung and I missed. I mean, I almost threw out my rotator cuff, or tore out my shoulder or something like that, because I was trying to smoke that thing. I was trying. You're not returning this on me. Um, but man, I missed. I looked goofy, but it's OK. We're still playing. We're getting better. It takes time. It takes consistency to get good at badminton. But it was cool. Shortly. After a short time playing Batman, it is so cool because Batman taught me two, two life lessons. It's crazy that you can learn a life lesson from Batman. <laughs> I like, Badman's fine. Um, in this moment of playing Batman, like I said, I had to try really hard to return this birdie, and it was in this moment that my and Coach's phones were to the side, our keys were to the side, Apple Watch is off, didn't matter what was going around us, all the cars going around us, but we were focused on playing badminton together. And it was, it was so cool because in this moment, all the distractions were put to the side and we were focused on playing badminton. All the distractions were put to the side and we were just focused on playing badminton together. But not only that, the second thing that badminton has taught me already is that it doesn't matter what Coach and I are actually doing but it is us just spending time together because we value our friendship. And just like how Jesus valued time alone time with God, that's how we have to look at it. We value our friendships, but you have to value your alone time with God. And I love love this right here. Coach says it all the time. Show me your schedule and I will show you your values. That's the truth that we can hear every single week and it'll hit the same. Show me your schedule and I will show you your values. Just how Coach and I value our friendship. We have to value getting alone with God the Father. And obviously we have to value that more. And the question I ask myself every day is, do I value getting alone with God the Father? Because if I do, it'll show. Because it's, it's I stick out like a sore thumb when I'm not walking with the Lord, when I'm not spending time in prayer, not spending time reading God's Word. But then you also, you'll, be able, you'll stick out like a sore thumb when you are walking with God. Because people are drawn to that. I heard somebody say this the other day um they said there's a lot of bad things going on in this world they we need they need to hear good news and they, I love the first time I shared the gospel one of the first times I shared the gospel was on, in Honduras and Rick Jones said Dakota you're just sharing the greatest love story of all time and when you preach that to yourself every single day the greatest love story of all time you'll be reminded of what Jesus did for you every single day and you'll walk in that freedom every single day ask yourself do you value getting alone with God the Father but going back to our passage, we're going to pick up, to pick up right after Jesus is uh, alone with God the Father praying. We're going to pick up in verse 24. And this is what God's word says right here. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from the land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came towards them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, there's immediately again. Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him. Peter always got a rebuttal. Command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come on. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. I see the word again. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? So the f- first the first cool thing, the first good thing we see in this passage is that Jesus got alone with God, the father. So now we're going to talk about the bad thing that we see in this passage is that Peter got distracted by the world. Peter got distracted by the world. Well into the night, Jesus is still alone on the mountain and the disciples come across a storm. And as I was studying this passage, we see this isn't the first time the disciples have come across a storm. Um, the Sea of Galilee, it was very known for its storms, especially at the time that it was. Um, and But this time that in our passage right here, in Matthew 14, Jesus wasn't on the boat with him, with the disciples. But in Matthew 8 verses 23 and 27, God's word says this. As he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to die. He said to them, Why are you afraid? You of little faith. Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of a man is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. And as I was studying, I was thinking like, okay, so the Sea of Galilee, it, it gets pretty crazy. It's, it's known for this right here. The Sea of Galilee is more than 690 feet under sea level. But not only that, to the north of it, Mount Hermon rises 9,200 feet. And from the months of May to October, strong winds sweep through the narrow surroundings into the valley, causing extremely sudden and violent winds. So Sea of Galilee is known for its storms, um, and it's, it's known for wrecking boats. But what's crazy is the disciples have seen Jesus cal- calm the wind, calm the storm before, and yet you still see that they're freaking out and they're going back to what they used to, what they used to know. And verse 25 tells us that Jesus comes towards them, towards the disciples walking on water. And it was very early in the morning. And some of your translations might even say this. Um, some of the translations might say, and in the fourth watch of the night, what that means is this is meaning it was anywhere from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. So, you know, I cut the disciples some slack. The storm's raging 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. on the sea. So it's probably pitch black outside. Um, so, you know, they, they have a reason to be scared and frightful, but they have Jesus on the sea saying, have courage it is I. Um, but the disciples saw Jesus. They were frightened because they thought it was a ghost. And immediately we see Jesus respond to the disciples. In such a comforting way, he says, have have courage. It is I don't be afraid. Jesus letting the disciples know it is him. Yet Peter still needs assurance to make sure it is Jesus. Isn't that many of us in our lives, we, when Jesus tells us to do something, we feel the Spirit pushing us to do something. We, we pray like, God, are you sure you want me to do this? We, all, we, we seek assurance from God all the time when he, he makes it clear. He makes it clear um, when he calls you to something. He'll give you clarity. God's not a God of confusion. Jesus letting the disciples know it is him, yet Peter still needed assurance. Verse 29, we see Jesus tell Peter to come out. Of the water and on, come out of the boat and onto the water. Jesus, we see this right here, was testing Peter's faith by telling him to come onto the water. And hey, give Peter props. He, st- he stepped out of that thing. As Peter stepped out onto the boat, he begins to walk on water. So imagine this in the middle of a raging storm, the Son of God tells you to come to him. How would you respond? Peter stepped out in faith. And shortly after Peter steps onto the water, he gets distracted. And you know, so that's, that's the bad thing about this that we're gonna talk about. And when I think about distraction, um, I think about my first car wreck. Anybody had a car wreck before? Yeah, we got some bad drivers in here. I'm not alone, I'm not alone. I'd be really upset if I was the only one raising my hand, like, okay, I'm not riding with any of you because I know you're getting a wreck. Uh, I'll never get my first wreck because of one, how it happened and two, how I felt afterwards. And let me tell you something, when I called my mom and told her the reason why I got in a car wreck. Boy, was she hot! Uh, because I shouldn't. Have, it was totally my fault. Um, but like I said at the beginning, if you knew me in high school, you knew I used to work a lot. And um, if anything was going wrong in my life, if anything was upsetting me or going bad in my life, I would distract myself by making money. I just that I had a, I, in high school. I had an emptiness. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Um, so I'd fill that void with money. And I, th- I thought that was sustainable. I thought it was good. And shortly after high school, I found out it wasn't. And so I'd pick up extra shifts at Roadhouse. And when I was in high school, my schedule, it's crazy thinking back to high school. It felt like you had so much time in the world. I went from 7 o'clock to 2 o'clock. We had football at 2.30, got done at 4.30. And then I would have my work clothes in the car. Like I said, I was a bus boy, so I'd go straight to work because I'd be throwing trash away. I'd be moving and throwing nasty food away and stuff like that eating food away and stuff like that so i'd always um shower when i got off work so i'd just be back to back to back to back and one day i actually had an off day and uh but i happened to get a call and they asked if i'd come in because the other bus boys didn't show up i know some of my guys that work at texas roadhouse so they can relate to this the bus boys didn't show up ain't that right salsa (laughs) Um, and it didn't take much for me to get in to come in to work an extra shift at Roadhouse. At the time, they would say, hey, Nicole, we'll give you some mini cheeseburger and some french fries if you come on in for free. Mini cheeseburgers, like $4.99, guys. But like I said, busboy ball, bus budget, balling on a budget. And uh, so they offered me the free meal. I came in. And so this one day I was off work. I left practice. I rushed from practice. I rushed from home. I rushed to home. I grabbed my work clothes. And I was hungry because it was after football practice. So I grabbed a Pop-Tart so important. This Pop-Tart caused me a lot of trouble. Um, I, began, I, began to dri- I began to drive off. I remember my, my sister knows this. We have two stop signs in our neighborhood. You make it to the first one, take a right, make it to the second one, take a left, and you're on this two-lane road. And I, haven't even had my, I didn't even have my seatbelt on at this point, but boy, did I have that Pop-Tart open. Because, you know, my homegirl's home ready to eat. And the worst thing you could imagine happened. Pop-Tart slid out my lap. I don't even know what flavor it was, it, you know, cinnamon brown sugar or strawberry, you know, the normal kind, maybe a chocolate chip one. Those are the best ones, um, in my opinion. And it fell in the passenger seat floorboard. And um, and I in, you know, I'm in a rush. I, you know, my mind was already distracted. I got to get to work. I got to get my work clothes on. I'm Still in my uh, shorts and T-shirt from football. Um, and so I do I do what any high school hungry. Let me put that first. Hungry high school athlete would do. Picked up the Pop-Tart. Because you know the man, and I probably had those shorts on the Pop-Tart wrappers, like real slick. So you know it's easy to slide off. Um, but man, when I got my eye, I picked up the Pop Tart, got back on the road, and my eyes got wide. The Jeep in front of me stopped. They were, making a le- they were making a left turn, and like I said, it was a two-lane road, so it was no swerving around. It was no, you know, stopping in time. So I slammed on my brakes. Screw. Poor, my poor 1997 Toyota Corolla, I skidded right into that G pitch. boom. And it was in this moment I was like, crap, I got to call my mom and say I got in a wreck over a pop tart. She was hey, she, she was my mom's watching tonight. she was upset, so but praise, we laugh about it now. I haven't been in a car wreck since. praise the Lord' protection. But all of all of this trouble, all I got in a wreck all over a silly pop tart. Verse 30 tells us that Peter saw the strength of the wind. He was afraid and he began to sink. College students, I talk about a silly pop tart. I talk about my first car wreck. But the application is when we take our eyes off of where we're supposed to be looking, that's when we begin to sink. When we take our eyes off of where we're supposed to be looking, that is when we begin to sink. So when we take our eyes off, of, think about it this way. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, that's typically when we feel the most overwhelmed. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, that's when we feel like life's going against us. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, we feel like the world is against us, but it's really not. And in my situation, when I took my eyes off the road, that is when I got in a wreck. And in the same way Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, that is when he began to sink. There is no way for us to pursue Jesus if our heart and eyes are not on Jesus. You can't pursue Jesus if your eyes and heart are not on him. So another question for us college students is what or even who is taking our eyes off of Jesus? What or even who is taking our eyes off of Jesus? And each one of us have to answer that for our personal walks with the Lord, our personal relationship with Jesus. We have to answer that. Is it social media? Could it be our phones? What about our friends? I remember the first time I preached, I talked about peer pressure, and we talked about your friends are either pushing you to Christ or pulling you from Christ. Are your friends the reason why your eyes are being taken off Jesus? I talked about at the beginning, is it because your social media, you're so focused on your social media platform that you're missing what Jesus wants to do in your life? As Peter begins to sink, he cries out, Lord, save me. Verse 31, we see immediately, I got immediately capitalized in my notes. Jesus reached out his hand to save him. And that is because there is no delay when we call on Jesus. When we call out on Jesus, he responds immediately. There's no delay in Jesus for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But Jesus still had a question for Peter. Jesus asked him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? And going back to our sermon in a sentence, when we we allow things to distract us from God, those same things will cause us to doubt God. When we allow things to distract us from God, those same things will cause us to doubt God. So now we got the bad out of the way. We see Peter got distracted by the world. And we've identified distractions It's things that takes, takes our attention off of something that we're pursuing. So for each, of, for each of us as college students, we have to figure out what are our distractions right now. I love, I love what Coach and Jacob, they teach me this all the time. They said, Dakota, the things you don't take care of right now in this season of life, it's going to follow you into the next season of life. No, so you talk about singleness and things like that. We talked about that a little bit last week. You know, you think, oh, if I, if I just push this to the side right now, I'll be fine when I get married. Now, if you have sin in your life that you're not taking care of with God right now, when you get married, that sin's going to creep into your marriage. And you're going to have to deal with it with your significant other. Now, you don't want those problems. Jeez. Jeez. Deal with your sin right now in college. Fall madly in love with Jesus right now. It's no, there's nothing better. There's, there's nothing worth your attention more than Jesus. That's what I learned. I learned it at 19 years old, and I still get distracted too. So I'm 20. Like I said, I'm 22 now, and I still, you know, walking with the Lord's like a roller coaster. You got ups, you got downs. But, man, when you're walking with the Lord, you get to be constant. You, you don't have, when, you, when your life feels up, you still get to be constant. When your life feels low, you still get to be constant because you're walking with Jesus. So, number one, we see Jesus got along with God the Father. Number two, we see Peter got distracted by the world. But number three, this is the cool thing. We see the disciples worship Jesus. Our last two verses, our last two verses of our passage read this right here. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshiped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Wow. The disciples recognized Jesus for who he is. Again, this is the second time he's calmed the storm stepped into the boat, the the waves and the the storm ceased. But we see the disciples recognize Jesus for who he is. The disciples went from fearing the storm to falling at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him. They were fearing the storm because they were distracted from Jesus. They were more worried about the storm. They were more worried about what was going on. And that kept them from worshiping Jesus. That kept them from looking to Jesus. And college students, what, what in our lives is keeping us from fully looking at Jesus? Because what I, what I learned from this passage is, is when we are fully focused on Jesus, that's when we can fully worship God. When we are fully focused on Jesus, we can fully worship Him. So I challenge you and I encourage you, don't let the distractions of your phone, of your social media, Keep you from the one who's worthy of all of your worship. Don't let notifications get to your head. Don't let followers get to your head. Don't let comments get to your head. But let scripture get to your heart. Let this consume you. I have treasured your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Wow. Do we look at God's word as treasure? Do we treat it that way? Do we value it that way? That I may not sin against you? And like I said throughout, throughout this message, I know there's a lot of things in our life asking for our attention. Like, believe me, I get it. I'm level with you. I'm in college with you. I, I, I had those struggles of assignments, of homework, writing a sermon in the midst of doing homework. I was doing, me and Coach were going over the sermon last night. I turned in assignment due at 11.59. Y'all know how it is. 11.30, turning that thing in. Boop, submit. That notification on eCourseWare. sigh of relief. I get it, college demands our attention, family wants our attention, friends want our attention. But if it's taking your attention off of Jesus, if it's pulling you away from Jesus more than pushing you to Jesus, you have to reevaluate it and ask, is this a distraction in my life? What is distracting you in your life? Because surely it can't be more important than Jesus. And uh, I'm, I'm gonna invite the band to come back out and. Um, get ready to lead us through our last song of worship. And, you know, as I, as I talk about this, as we talk about Jesus gets along with God the Father, Peter got distracted by the world, and number three, the disciples worship Jesus. You know, some of you in this room may not know what it looks like to get along with God the Father. Some of you in this room may not know what it looks like to worship Jesus because you haven't t- taken that first step of faith. And repented of your sins and called out on the name of Jesus. Today we're at Campus Ministry today and praise God we got to see somebody give their lives to the Lord. And it was because we just walked straight through the gospel. You know, here at The View we believe, we we see design all around us. We see creation all around us. And we believe that creation demands a creator. We don't believe something came from nothing. We believe someone outside of us, above us, created everything in this this world. That's what the Bible says. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything perfect. He created everything, everything perfect. But we see sin is introduced into this world because Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. They go against God's word. And that brings us to this place of brokenness. College students, I know we have brokenness in our life. I know we have struggles in our life. I know we fight battles in our life. We fight with sin. But you don't have to fight sin alone because you have Jesus on your side. And you have Jesus on your side is when you have a relationship with him.